Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Andy Snoke. Last week we started talking about who James was, and you remember that we talked about that he was the brother of Jesus. James and Jude both were half-brothers of Jesus. We find it interesting, as we said last week, that in the very beginning, James does not introduce himself as the brother of Jesus. Now, you or I might have been tempted if we had someone who was very famous to say who we were in relationship to that person. Uh, You've heard the term name droppers. A lot of people like to drop names of famous people or prestigious people that they know. Well, James didn't. He started off uh, his book by saying, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the one thing that he was happy with in his life, that he was a servant. He never mentions that they were brothers. When you get to the book of Jude, you'll find that Jude says the same thing. He opens up by saying, Jude, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. They both introduce themselves as servants of the Lord, not as, not as natural brother, but as a servant of the Lord. And I just think that's really interesting. James is the first book as far as uh, in chronological order, is the earliest book written in the New Testament. If you were to line them up in the order that they're written and collected, James is the the oldest, I guess we would say, so it was the first one uh, to be part of the New Testament. So James is a book of, of wisdom. It's like a tiny abbreviated book of Proverbs where he takes just a few thoughts, not very many, just a few, and he expounds on them. And as as it's been said, if you want to increase your wisdom, you should ask God for it, but then read the book of Proverbs every day, whatever, whatever day it is, read that chapter. Today is the third, you should read the third chapter of Proverbs. And the other book to read is the book of James, and it'll increase your wisdom. We were blessed last week to read something that is a positive blessing to all of us, and that is the fact that if we lack wisdom, the Bible says it gives us a formula on how to get wisdom. And that formula is this, ask for it. That's the formula. Ask God for his wisdom. And he says that he will give it generously to all without reproach. As a believer, we have the right to ask the Lord for wisdom, to give us wisdom. Last week, uh, someone mentioned, and uh, I thought it was very good, that when God gives you wisdom, he doesn't give you a great big reservoir of wisdom where you walk around and you're wise and you're just like the wisest person on earth. That's not how God does it. He gives you like a word of wisdom. He gives you wisdom for that moment, for that time, for that decision. And the Bible tells us to ask for wisdom, and we can be assured that God will give us wisdom in those areas. Okay, so we're in the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. Uh, He talks about partiality. Now let's think for just a minute. These next few verses might not be real uh, familiar with us in our present-day situation, but let's think back 2,000 years ago. Uh, In the United States, we have rich people. Uh, a few of them, and the few that we have 
are really, really, really rich. And then we have a gargantuous middle class, and that's a real comfortable place to be. And then we have the poor. Now, go back 2,000 years ago, it wasn't like that. 2,000 years ago, you had some very rich, and then you had mostly very poor, and you didn't have many people in the middle. So you didn't have a middle class. That came <laughs> centuries later. So keep in mind as we read these next few verses that this is written during the time when you had ultra-rich and very poor and almost nobody in the middle. Okay, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention, let me add someone here, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and you say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So it's a question that he's posing. And let's pause just a minute and think about Jesus. Does Jesus show partiality? Here's the Son of God. And who did he associate with? The poorest, the most humble of the earth. He never put on any airs at all about who he was, who God was. He, he, uh, he would go into Samaria, an area where even the Israelites would avoid because of cultural differences and so forth. But um, Jesus showed no partiality. And even to this day, Jesus shows no partiality. In fact, it's an odd thing that all the way through the New Testament and really today, the Lord reveals himself to the broken and to the humble, it seems like. And to the proud and to the arrogant, the Lord just seems to walk right on by. He'll speak to them too, but, but even today he uh, doesn't show partiality. Okay, listen, my beloved brothers, verse 5. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of God? which he has promised to those who love him. But if you, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? So he's scolding them if they're showing any partiality. And you know, in our local assemblies worldwide, to a large degree, to the largest degree in 99.9% .9 of the cases, we don't, we don't do this. We treat everybody the same. We work at that. Everybody works at that. Now, you will find pockets when you travel to overseas countries where a little bit of this practice is still there, a little bit. Uh, uh, in, uh, I remember years ago, I've only been to Africa twice, and it's a culture in Africa uh, when, a, when a woman meets a man, uh, particularly a ministry, it's embarrassing the women, I'm not kidding you, they get down on their knees and bow before you. You want to talk about the most uncomfortable thing in the world, have a woman get on her knees and bow down and hold her hand out for you to shake her hand. First time that happened, I didn't know what was happening. 
Second time it happened, I grabbed her by the arm and asked her to stand up because no one, none of us bow to one another. There's only one person we bow to. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't bow to one another. We honor the Christ in one another, but none of us are better or higher than anybody else. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails on one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to, to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So this is just kind of several verses to encourage us in a local service to treat everybody there with love and kindness and respect and never have a position higher than another. Uh, you'll notice in our circle, we have a practice uh, worldwide, pretty much worldwide, I should say, and you, you don't even notice this, but on Sunday at a camp meeting or a local meeting, uh, the elders will tend to sit uh, towards the front, and they don't even always do that, but they'll tend to sit towards the front so that they can stand up there, so if the, the, uh, the altar or the podium is just not completely left unattended. But in a lot of religious circles, and we thank God for anyone that proclaims the name of Jesus, but in a lot of religious circles, they put seats in the very front on the platform facing the congregation of the leadership so that everybody knows who they are. And that may seem like something small, but that's something that we try not to practice or we don't practice. We like, we like it to be, a, you've heard that term, a level playing field. We like to be on one level and not and be very careful that we don't visibly elevate a person uh, by position. Okay, so he's just talking about treating one another with love and respect. Now he's going to change a corner. He's going to change a corner a little bit and talk about some scriptures that uh, has confused and thrown many people uh, for generations. He's going to say some things that may almost seem like he's contradicting things that the Apostle Paul said, but he isn't. Uh, what Paul said and what James says goes hand in hand. And let's read it. What good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? These can be fighting words uh, sometimes. Aren't we saved by faith? Uh, yes, we are. But he then goes on to talk about how faith and works actually go hand in hand. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So he's given a little example here. You have someone that comes across your path that, that actually needs help. They're actually hungry. They're actually starving. They're actually hungry. And you say, well, you know what? Just be a, go in peace and be warm and be filled. But if you have the ability to help that brother or sister out, 
you should be helping that brother or sister out. That's what he's saying here. Faith and works going hand in hand. Sometimes, everybody has a different ministry, so you have to be careful. I have to be careful when I say things like this. But sometimes maybe we pray too much for people and do few, too few things for people. And maybe God wants us to do more things for people while we're praying. Now, I say that knowing that some people have a ministry of giving. Not everyone has that ministry. But I would challenge all of us just to look to the Lord about when we should help, when we should reach out, when we should give someone literally a pair of our shoes or whatever it may be that we, that we do that. Okay, uh, but someone may, will say to you, you have faith and I have works. And I like how he says it here, it's so good. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Isn't that good? If you have faith, you prove it by showing your works. They go hand in hand, loving one another. Love uh, is an action. Um, when you get married, you promise to love your wife or your husband, but then there's an awful lot of work. You, with works, you show one another that you love one another. And you know, when you're really walking in the faith, it's a funny thing, faith and works, they just go hand in hand. They just, they just go hand in hand, just naturally, just, just in an ordinary way. You believe that God is one, and you do well, he says. He's given some examples here. And seeing the Haney's there makes me think of Brother Joe Haney. And Joe Haney, I'll use him as, a, as, as an example. Joe was never a man that was uh, loud. He was never a man that pounded the pulpit. He was never a man that ran back and forth and did theatrics, so to speak, <laughs> you know. But everywhere he went, he, he, he showed works with his faith. He'd play that keyboard, and you would think you were listening to angels playing. It just was natural. It just flowed out of him. He would play in the spirit. Our last, the last time we met in, met in Omaha, he played twice, I think at the same meeting, mm -hmm. played in the spirit. And I used to tell Joe that when he would play in the spirit, I would just stand there and close my eyes and just kind of get lost. And I, had a, I, I always had a funny feeling. It was, it's hard to describe it, but I felt like I just listened to a wonderful message and yet there were no words. It was only music. But his works, the works, the ministry that he had, it just flowed out. It just flowed. It was faith and it was works. And uh, Joe and Melba there, they would travel up to North Battleford in a, about a 1955, uh, whatever it was, an old car uh, with hat boxes in their laps this is back when cars were crowded. They weren't very big. They didn't have air conditioning. A lot of them didn't have seat belts even. And the roads between St. Louis and North Battleford were pretty rugged and difficult. And yet they'd jump in that car and they would go to camp because they had faith and works and they knew where they should be. And uh, Brother Joe and Sister Melba there uh, and their kids They've done that all of their life, faith and works, works and faith, faith 
and works. It just flowed together, just uh, like there's no cutoff for faith and no cutoff for the works. It just flowed together. Whenever Joe was asked to, to help at every camp, uh, he would help out with the worship, and it was just his ministry. It was just it just flowed from him. So I remember my I, I shared this before. My brother Brandon plays a keyboard, and there in Henry, Illinois, he would come to Henry, and he would be sweating and nervous until he saw Joe Haney, because when he saw Joe Haney, he knew that meant that my brother wouldn't be playing the keyboard. <laughs> he wanted to default to brother Joe. But, but faith and works, they go hand in hand. That's our ministry. Okay. You believe that God is one. You do well. He's, he's expounding on the same thought. He's expounding that it takes more than just faith. Uh, and I like this. You believe that God's one. Okay, that's good, he says. That's a good thing. But even the demons believe and shudder. Even the enemy of your soul has uh, faith. I'll use that word. He believes and he shudders. So believing in God, just believing in God isn't the answer. It's belief and putting your faith into action. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So he's talking about Abraham, who God called all the way back there in the book of Genesis. And, and you know the story, and that's a, that's a great story. But what about some ungodly, ungodly people that weren't called, that weren't part of, uh, that weren't from Abraham? Well, let's get to that. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works? Whenever he mentions Rahab in the Bible, they always mention her profession. And that's just to remind us that the grace of God erases away every sin we've ever committed. Doesn't matter what you used to be, you're someone new. And he reminds us, Rahab the prostitute was justified by works. Now that's a story in itself. What was the works that she did? She recognized that these spies were the men of God and God had sent them. And, she, and they made a deal with her that she would protect them. So how did she protect them? She told uh, that there is such a thing as a white lie. <laughs> she told the fib. She said, these men came in here and they went out the window. They're not here. She told something that wasn't truth. That's a whole nother story in itself. She told something that wasn't true with the intent of saving the men of God. And God honored it. God honored it. So anyway, that's an interesting story there in itself. She was justified by her works and everybody in her family when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And I'm going to read that again, and that'll be the end of it. That's very good. As a, the body apart from the spirit is dead, 
so also faith apart from works is dead. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.